Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on Cyberate.it using the discount code PODCAST. In this episode of the Cyberate Podcast, we sit down with Ken Gilmore, the CEO of Nogen, Solen, the marketing director of Nogen, and Katie Wanke, the head of People for Cyberate. We discussed how to engage and retain highly sought after talent in the tech field. I really enjoyed this episode and learning about how other companies and people view different benefits and perk differently. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cyberay's podcast. Uh, today, uh, we will be talking about how to retain uh, highly sought after tech talent. Uh, in the building to, with me today, we have uh, Katie Wonke, the uh, head of people here at Cyberay, uh, Ken Gilmore, the CEO of Nogen, and Sol, the marketing director from Nogen as well. So uh, take it away, guys. Good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is a, a topic that interests me a lot. Um, and I, I, uh, I often see debates online. So, you know, one of the things, I guess, which is the hardest one is, uh, you know, let's say if you posted a job online on LinkedIn and you get 100 applicants and you've only got one role to fill, how do you get through all those CVs? And I mean, what's the the best way to screen applicants? Mm -hmm. I would say it. what I do when I'm first talking to the hiring manager about what role we want to fill is I talk about the non-negotiables. And so when we're looking at our CVs and all of our applicants, how much of the non-negotiables do they fill? Do they fill all three of them? Do they fill two and a half, almost three? Um, if they fill one non-negotiable, then it's likely they're not going to pass through that initial resume screen. And it's really kind of determining, you know, when I'm having my first conversation with them, um, do they hit the bare minimum of what we would consider for that role? Or does their CV even show that they would be able to hit that bare minimum? That's a, that's a good point, actually. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like one of the things I had, uh, you know, that I was thinking about as well, you know, so let's say someone with a college degree, right? College degree is mandatory. But what about, you know, someone who's really good at what they do and they're about two or three months away from graduating? You know, so they'll have a degree in a couple of months, um, but they don't have it right now. Would that disqualify them? Not at all. No? And for a lot of our... Of, um our jobs here, we actually don't even require a college degree. Um, it's really just dependent on um, their experience, you know, what they've been able to accomplish either on their own or, you know, working like so equivalent work experience is completely fine. Um, but no, I mean, looking forward and if you're able to start a conversation earlier with a candidate um, and even if you're planning three months out, like it's great get that conversation going because you don't want to lose out on a candidate or start a really great relationship um, too, too late. So are you your uh, non-negotiable more of a technical skills then? Or is it, I don't know, you know, uh, certain years of experience or what What could be there? Yeah, it could be. It's completely dependent on the role and completely dependent on what the hiring manager views as the non-negotiable. So one that comes up pretty frequently for me is um, have they worked in a startup experience or environment before? Have they had that familiarity with the rapid scale or any kind of ambiguity in in their role? Part of what we're finding is that it's it's we need some more process um, champions, so people who can identify where a process needs to get implemented or improved, and they can champion it and move it forward rather than kind of waiting for someone to bring it up. So that's been a very popular one is, um, you know, those kind of game changers. Um, also, yeah, it could be years of experience. Sometimes it, it is really required, like we need someone with at least five years in this because there's no way anyone with fewer than five years of, of experience are going to be able to to achieve the goals that we need for this role. 
That's very cool, yeah. So, I mean, like, as far as actually getting, um, you know, employees and, and finding them in the right places as well, one of the things that uh, I found uh, I think is great is, you know, this community called OWASP, the uh, Open Web Application Security Project. So they would generally have, you know, chapter meetings regularly um, and things like that. And it attracts people who like cybersecurity. And it, I, I just find it great. Now, the thing is, obviously, you can't sponsor it because it's a... a I don't think it's a charity, but it's an event that doesn't uh, have advertising in it, right? That, that's kind of against the ethos of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good for kind of talent hunters and things like that. So I'm not sure if you've ever kind of Mm-mm. tried that. No, that, that approach. So we, we find it actually quite good because, um, you know, it, it's people who are enthusiasts about the topic that are going voluntarily, you know, maybe, I don't know, Maybe some of them want to go for the pizza, uh, but I think most of them want to go for the talk. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, and and it's, it's a great way to find them as well. But, uh, Where are they? Where are they located so the for the most part? Chapters are all over the world. Yeah. Um, so actually our uh, CTO in Nogin is a, a chapter lead for Costa Rica. Okay. So, uh, so he, he does some conferences every now and then as well. And it's just, I, I find it a great way to find talent. But I mean, are there other ways that you find them other than, you know, online websites and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say referrals are obviously a big one. Um, DC is a pretty, still a relatively small tech community. Like you're going to find people that know people that have done similar work and, you know, similar startup-y kind of like industries. So definitely we we, we take referrals as, as much as possible. Um, I mean, meetups are a great way to to seek help. Um, but then, you know, sometimes, yeah, it depends on the role and depends on how fast you need it filled. Not going to lie, sometimes we need recruiters, yeah, you know, they, they definitely fill a really strategic role um, when we're kind of, you know, really, really in a tight spot. So that's very good. Yeah. So, I mean, another one that I like to use is, you know, people I've worked with before in the past, you know, so if I've worked in another location, Mm -hmm. I know generally what the talent pool is like. Even if I've left it a few years ago, I know how they used to hire and how they, uh, you know, I I guess, uh, go through CVs and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, I, I find that's a a good way of poaching that sound, makes me sound like a real meanie uh, but uh, you know <laughs> friendly poach yeah just nobody would ever do that to me at Nogin um, you know and if they do I'd be very sad but otherwise um, you know that, that's that, that's how I do it sometimes for, for um, you know organizations where I had worked before as well no, we do. We do recruit marketing team has been using that as well at, at Nogin just um Friends in common, contact in common, but also because I think it gives you, I mean, if you're friend with someone, you're sharing same values, I guess, or you have kind of a common field. Uh, so if their friends are also, I mean, you know, the friend of my friend are my friends. So it also gives a higher, I guess, probability mm-hmm. to mm. have people uh, it's, that it's, will it's fit. It's a known, known, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That you're not will really fit. trying them out because you've known before that they were good. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. So, I mean, the, the other thing about uh, retaining staff as well, is uh, you know the community feel so yeah. you know that's that's very fifty fifty. A lot of people think, well, uh, you know, the community we're a family and that's just cheesy, and uh, you know some people don't like it. Other people think, well, look, we really are kind of like a family, and I really love working here. Um, I mean, what's been your experience with that? I I don't necessarily like to say that we're a family because I think that that. Um we're, we are we are professionals. We're coworkers. We take care of each other in a completely different way, and so we all and we all have a responsibility in that. And so I think that um, you know having a very positive relationship and working relationship where you can you know talk to people and ask for help especially is really great. But I would say staying away from kind of family because that's always kind of like you're so close that it kind of borderlines over that professional line. 
And so I like to kind of keep that kind of yeah, reference and, and, apart. And, that, and that's a good point as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I think a lot of the the family thing issues is that people tend to get into cliques yes. as well. And, yep. uh, and that's hard to control as well, because then it's kind of it's it's us versus them. Um, and then they start fighting against each other for no reason other than they're not in the same clique. Yeah. Um, There's also the expectation of um, a work life balance with that. And so like with work like balance, you know, if you kind of try to make the everybody feel like they're a family, no, you're a family, you have to stay late tonight, you have to do this thing with yeah. me on the weekend, you have to do that because we're, you know, we're a family, we're doing this together. You know, that can really affect how people's, um, you know, they view their engagement. Um, it can cause burnout pretty quickly. And then also, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, like that, that blurring of the lines of like what's professional versus social. I don't know if there is a maybe also a cultural uh, background around there, because if I'm thinking about us at Nojin, people will very easily tell you, that's my second family. I mean, we hear these quite a lot, though. And, and it's really just a very natural things. I mean, we're based in Costa Rica, so Latin American uh, culture. Uh, and it's so natural for even I include myself just thinking about like, yeah, that's, you know, we have all, it's a bit weird than we're saying it's not like healthy, but it's really kind of having this family relationship where you need to, you also have conflicts and you need to talk about it and you need to communicate about it. And, and how can you build something? Maybe because we're on a kind of in very early stage as well as a company. So you can't, I mean, it takes so much time and money to fire someone, look for someone else that you want to make sure you first find the good fit. And then once you get with the good fit, just fight for any little battles or complexity you could have so you can keep people on board and you can make them grow. So, I mean, yeah, that, I, mean yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the advantage of having a startup is to give people the sense of ownership, right? Because yes. people can own stuff, but when you have departments, you know, yeah, departments are more scalable and it's better for the business. Um, but in general, you know, it, it's, it doesn't really feel the same because there's not really ownership. It's like the boss kind of owns that, um, you know, but, um, you know, one of the things I guess is uh, that, that we try to consciously do, um, which I haven't really seen many people doing it. I'm, I'm not sure if you do it here in Cyberry as well, is uh, we plan events during working hours and the working week. So, uh, you know, if you want to go out for pints on a Friday evening after work, that's okay. But the official work party will probably be a lunchtime on a work day and, you know, we'll close down the office or whatever and just get everybody together for that event, you know. And, and it, it, I think it means that people will have more community because, you know, they can all attend because maybe you have kids at home and you've got to get home on time or, you know, you've got uh, jujitsu at night and, uh, you know, you just you just want to go to your class. You don't want to spend your time at work colleagues. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It's just you have a personal life, too. No, that's a great point. We have lunch brought in um, to every Tuesday and Thursday, and that gives people a chance to have lunch together and be here without having to rush out and go grab something and come right back with a very short uh, window. So I think that is a little bit of that. The events that we've had for the most part have been a little bit closer to the end of the day, but I t- completely hear you. Um, you know, like I have two little kids at home and I would love it if like some of our events started at like three. So then I could actually stay for a good two hours before I have to leave. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's awesome and something that we can definitely consider like moving forward. And I might steal from your playbook on that. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> I feel so great now. I think I'll just go. <laughs> Let me ask you, actually, yeah. though, Tommy, because you were just there. You were at Cyber a few months before me. Mm-hmm. Did we ever do anything that was a little bit more like like earlier in the day? 
Um, not that I can really think of. Um, I, I mean, not really anything during the day. It was mo- more kind of like happy hours after the t- end of the day, like maybe like starting at like four or something like that. But now that, you know, we've kind of grown and, you know, we have a lot more people working here, we've started to do kind of like day outings, like per team. So like a team will go out and just kind of do whatever they want for the day. Um, like one people, I think they went to like an escape room or something like that just to, you know, get out of the office, spend some, you know, quality time with your teammates and kind of does kind of create some bonds. And, you know, maybe the next time somebody asks you to do something, you're a little more willing because, you know, you've kind of had those connections and stuff outside of the office, um, you know, during the office time, which is nice. Yeah, our marketing business development team went to like a golf range. Yeah, went to Top Golf. Um, our engineering team went out to the racetracks yeah. and, you know, got to do little stuff like that. But yeah, it, is, it really is team based as opposed to the whole company. Yeah. 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 I guess when you're big enough, yeah, Cyber is bigger than us. That's yeah. what you're trying to say. You know, well, that's okay. I'll accept yeah. it, you know, for yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, you know, what one of the other things is, um, I guess, the diversity and fair payment thing. Um, that, you know, that's another thing that we focus on uh, a lot. And I actually only realized about a month ago uh, that we have exactly 50-50 male and female at Nogen. It was like, oh my God, how did we achieve that? Um, so I was quite proud of that. Um, I'm still not sure how exactly we got there. But uh, I think... Uh, because I'm here in your company. <laughs> yeah, that's my I think mission. it's probably to do with all. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, it, that was... Uh, I thought that was quite an achievement. But, yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. I think it's... Well, that was also on a podcast we talked about. Um, but I think it's because the people uh, in the company, and that's one of, of uh, the thing I said on the previous... Uh, or after episode, uh, it's that um, when you have the top management that is sharing this vision... And including to the top management, you have employees that are also really engaged with the idea of achieving this uh, fairness between male and female employees. There is a very high probability that you're going to achieve it because I, I mean, I'm definitely very aware of that. So I'm trying my best to make sure that we're having this inside the company. But if I didn't have the support of the HR uh, department, of our CTO or CEO, I wouldn't. I could not make it by myself only. So I think it's people that are in the company as well as the top management that is giving this vision from the very beginning. And absolutely, that's what's happening here too. Like that's a big thing that you know when I was brought on, we definitely talked about how we can increase diversity here, how we can make sure that we are kind of being a much more inclusive workspace overall. And I think we've done pretty well overall. And I think You're doing um, very good. yeah, and and I'm very proud of it, and I want to keep it going and get it better. But it's exactly, I mean, you're, you're mm-hmm. engaged with these topics, mm-hmm. but if you go to the top board management, they will hear you and they will support what you're doing. So that's, to me, the key of success. So you think it, it comes from the board down and it's not directly hiring managers that... No, definitely. I think it's come from the board because if I didn't have the support that we have at Nogin from the board and if I have a concern or something about that, it will, you know... You, I mean, having top management level that are concerned and they're aware about these bias, it's pretty amazing. And then you can talk to f- for it and through it and and you, I mean, you will achieve great things, I guess. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of internal Im- internal bias as well that needs to, you know, I, I guess part of training within the organization should also cover kind of internal biases as well, based on specific cultures and depending on where you are as well. Um, and it's it's something that's not generally done um, but it's 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 incredibly helpful because uh, I mean definitely having 50 50 I see huge 
performance increases, you know, and then we combine that with other things like working from home. So, you know, um, if you're a parent and you need to take care of your kids, you know, you can still work and you can still do really well, but you're more determined to keep your job and do things well uh, if you have that ability, I think. Yeah, and that kind of leads back to kind of the overall thing is retention and uh, kind of what I was thinking of is how do you kind of differentiate, especially in like the tech um, sector, is like the difference between like a a benefit and an actual benefit you're giving your employees and like what many would think of as like a perk. Um, So like working here, we get free lunch like two days a week. Uh, We have a very nice office. We have snacks and drinks and stuff, which like many people would consider a perk. But a lot of people think that that is a benefit of working at that place. You know, how do you mitigate that, you know, when you're looking for new employees and trying to bring new people on, trying to, you know, what they might consider, uh, you know, more important to them? I sell the culture. And so like a big part of my role here is, you know, as I'm recruiting, because it really is kind of like that piece of reverse sales. Right. And so when people are talking about, well, I, I, sh- I should first say that, like, that is the most common question I get asked during the interview process is tell me about the culture there. And so, I mean, I usually answer it along the lines of like, yeah, you know, we have, we definitely have like the cold brew on tap and we have lunch twice a week and we have all this stuff. But like I said, the main part of what makes us special and what informs our culture are these things. And I go through what our values are actually during that point. And so, and that usually is kind of like you hear a, like a little like click in there. I I can't even describe it. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And usually, even though that's at the end of the conversation, because that's at the point where they're telling, they're asking me the questions, you end the call with them on this high note up here, you know, as opposed to just being like, oh, you know, they're, they're like every other tech company I'm interviewing with right now. And so to really kind of push that, I think, is a big part for us. And I don't know about you all. So, yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's great as well. I mean, you, you definitely have to run these things based on your company values and your mission. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, I was having a shareholder meeting one time and uh, one of my shareholders is very... Uh, direct and very good uh he well actually of course they're all very good but this particular <laughs> one is very direct and good um, and um he just said to me you know straight out so if i went to any developer outside on on the floor and asked them what your company mission was would they tell me um i'm like oh ah I'd like to think they would, but I can't say with all certainty that they would. Mm. Um, and it's something definitely that we need to kind of work on to ensure that people know what our mission is and what our values are and why we're doing things in a certain way. It's not just you're here for a job. Um, you know, there is here, there, there is something that you're here for. It's a purpose. And, uh, you know, we want to achieve something. And, and that's why we are here as an organization. Um, so I guess that kind of leads into my, my next question as well is, you know, how do you encourage camaraderie and encourage people to, I guess, work together um, and not get into those cliques? You know, like we're all here for one common goal. Like what, what's your what's your way of doing that? <laughs> well, I think that the best one is that everybody has a cleaning duty rotation. Oh, very good. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wow. Yeah. Is- Didn't know that. And so it's funny because our catering company, they always say, well, we can send somebody back to clean up you know, every lunch. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do it. I'd rather have everybody have that rotation. And it's it's a grounding piece. It's like, no, like every single team is going to help out and, you know, see see what it's like to clean up lunch every week, every six weeks, I think is the rotation right now. Um, but they're responsible for things that kind of keep us organized and so everybody has that common common goal too like if somebody somebody leaves stuff in the sink it's like 
very commonly, it's like a, a member of the dev team. Um, we'll say, who, they, who did this? You know, and like, you'll see it pop up in Slack yeah. and just, you know. <laughs> and so it's not on me. You know, I'm not this, the one sitting there kind of like wrangling that piece of our culture and camaraderie. It's like the other people are kind of like, you know, reminding each other, like, no, we are all part of a team. We're supposed to be taking care of our things together. And so do your part. That's great. I, actually, I noticed last night, so we went out for, for beers, uh, everybody. And uh, at the end of the night, I was like, you know, I'll go and pick up some beer cans and like, Oh, there's literally no beer cans. Everybody has put their own beer can in the bin and there's no plates or anything. They just all did it. So I guess I know now why. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Katie's done a very good job of, uh, yeah, s setting all of that up and making sure it's kind of everyone's position. So, I mean, you're not, if, if you're the one person who always seems to be cleaning up, you know, you, it, you just kind of get fed up after a while. But when you see every team doing it, and I mean, it goes all the way up to the executive team. I mean, Ryan and Ralph will be in there cleaning out the dishwasher and stuff. Um, you know, it definitely makes kind of an impact. It makes you feel like kind of everybody's in this together. Uh, and then kind of using, you know, we're very communicative in Slack, um, you know, using it for work, but then also, you know, for fun, we have a lot of random channels, you know, looking at cats and things like that, that just makes it <laughs> seem like you're not just at work. You can kind of share, you know, things that you think are funny with other people and just kind of have a more uh, relaxed kind of uh, atmosphere around, which kind of seems to bring, bring people together a little better. There's one thing I was, I was thinking also regarding your last question. Um, when I'm thinking about no gin as we're, I was trying to, to think about why are people staying in our company, uh, especially because we're uh, pretty young and also because we're in such a small country. I mean, we're 5 million people in Costa Rica and uh, they are very, I mean, we all know that cybersecurity talents, they're not that much out there, even less in Costa Rica. <laughs> so why do we have so, I mean, we're very, and it's not because I'm working for this company, but we have very talented Costa Rican uh, cybersecurity experts and just talented people in general. Um, and I think there's one thing that we're doing very good. We, For example, we don't have a, a free lunch twice a week, and we still have extremely um, dedicated people, I guess. Um, it's also because what I feel that's very different from the other companies I work in is that we value people and we let them know when they do a good job and not just when things go wrong. I heard many times from uh, my superiors, well, very happy with what you've been doing so far. Uh, I'm also doing the same with my own team, telling them, look, for example, my graphic designers, uh, they're uh, fantastic workers. And I told them very often recognizing that they're doing a good job. And I know that it's supposed, that's the way it's supposed to be, like we're all supposed to work and do a good job. But yet when someone is telling you, I see it and I recognize it and and I'm proud of you for that. It also really helps. I mean, that's what I heard from the, the girls that uh, design and also our dev team and everything that we recognize the work they're doing for, for mm -hmm. the company. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes into like retaining people as well as like how your company culture is because uh, a lot of large companies that probably don't think about it, I would say have kind of more of a toxic culture in that, you know, if you work, I, I worked at a very large company once where you almost only talk to your manager when something had gone wrong. Exactly. And so the, anytime you have a meeting, you, you already start kind of claiming up, you, you know, you're going to get yelled at or something was wrong. You never get kind of that session of praise at all. And you never, you know, you never have like a good back and forth. It's just always, this is wrong. This is what you did. And it just kind of, it's a little demoralizing after a while. Mm. That's, you know, that's not what we're doing at all. And 
again, we're very young, so there's no like ping pong table or whatever. <laughs> and so how do you, how can you as a very young company or as a, or as a startup like put into your employees' uh, mind this sense of ownership when they don't have all these physical benefits that for me, even more when there's so much work outside, it doesn't doesn't really matter for them uh, to stay there just for free lunches. And uh, the fact that we recognize them as human being and as good person to me really makes a difference. We know, and I know that I can go right now, talk to anyone, even from the top management, CTO, CEO, CEO, I can tell them, text them right now, look, I need to talk. And there is 95% sure that they will say, yes, no problem, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think probably the key is nobody gets into trouble for making a mistake. Exactly. As long True. as you can move on, right? So exactly. take the blame, move on, and that's it. Um, as opposed to saying, oh, uh, I don't want to get into trouble, uh, she did it, um, you know, and, and blame somebody else. So I, I think the, the blame game is probably the thing that, uh, you know, causes the most toxicity in a team and stops people working together um, and doing obviously the opposite brings them closer as well. And we're not scared of asking. I mean, I started this position as assistant uh, marketing and our marketing manager and there's tons of things I'm still learning and trying and and figuring it out. And I can go to Ken, which is a CEO and, and asking even like what could be a stupid question and he will take the time to answer and will not make a comment of if it's a like a very simple question or if it's something that is more complex. So that's also the space we have to just ask and grow also makes a big difference, I guess. Great stuff. Yeah, so I mean, one of the other things I wanted to ask about was, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, talk online about, you know, ninjas and rock stars mm. and things like that. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have rolled my eyes. Yeah, so I mean, I, I've had my few of my, my share of them as well in the past. Um, and I find that, uh, you know, having these types of people, while they might be good, if you only have one person in the business, um, they're not good when you have more than one person, um, simply because, you know, first, first of all, they're doing everything. And the, the problem with that is that it's, it's uh, difficult for them to hand anything over and then it's difficult to know what they have done so if they decide to move on it's uh, you know it's, it's hard to know what to fix but additionally to that the rest of the team is kind of almost felt uh, made to feel dumb right like oh yeah, they'll just give it to this guy you know and he'll do all the work um, and I find the contrary when you have really good people but you don't hire those you know rock star branded um that actually teams are significantly more productive for not having those kinds of uh, people within the team. So I don't know what your experience is with that too. No, I mean, I think there's always, there, there's definitely always going to be room for, you know, an individual contributor who is a rock star, who is amazing. But I think part of it is recognizing that and recognizing the limitations that having someone in that role puts on everyone else. And so I think, Part of the non-negotiables of the role is like, what are we really looking for? If we want someone who is very collaborative, if we want someone who is going to ultimately help to scale other people, that's when you're kind of looking at your hiring model and saying like, okay, we do definitely do need someone in this, you know, in this case. And if there, if, you know, it does mean that it's important to hire a very highly skilled individual contributor that cannot manage a team, that's okay. But how can we then make sure that some of their contributions can also better reflect the culture in a different way? So how can they, you know, lead, um, lead training sessions? How can they like show a few people in a different way how to, uh, you know, learn the skills or basically like show people how to learn their skill, these skills that they bring. So I think, 
recognizing people for their strengths and what they can bring to the team as an individual, as a team lead, and then also just identifying other opportunities that you can always mirror the culture at the same time and, and still have really great talent. You said it much more elaborately than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, has it, have you ever kind of run into it where you have maybe two candidates for a role and you have, you know, one of those kind of rock star candidates that, you know, you might have some issue like kind of coming into the culture or you have somebody who is going to be much more collaborative and you think will be an easier fit with the rest of the team, but might be a little bit junior to that other person and, and mitigating like, well, which one do we really need now? And then kind of future thinking, you know, what is going to be more, you know, six months from now, what's going to be the better play? You know, how is that something I, you kind of... I go for the junior every time um, simply because the the power of the team is power is better than the power of the individual. Um, you know, there are, you know, cases where the individual is good uh, to have, but I haven't found very many of those. Um, maybe it's just my own experience. I don't know. Um, but uh, I find that, you know, when you can promote within the team, people will love to learn. You know, if, if people are doing a job that they love, they will just learn it all day and they'll do better, you know, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I myself um, worked at a place where I was a very junior developer, hadn't really had a background in it at all, but I was given the space to to learn from my peers and everything. And it, it does make a huge difference in giving you, you know, it makes you want to do more and kind of you do maybe eventually get more work out of that type of person who is trying to learn and trying to kind of keep up with everybody else and learning as much as they can from everybody. Um, so it's always nice to hear that, you know, those are the people that, you know, you guys might be kind of on the lookout for instead of somebody who's been doing this for years and years and might just be slightly difficult to work with. But there's also, I see it and it really start to be hard to handle for me. It's this kind of, with social media, especially now with LinkedIn, which is the major uh, social media for professionals, and this trend of uh, personal branding, and you have people selling themselves, promoting themselves, doing marketing for themselves. And I'm from from marketing, so um, I I don't know, I should maybe uh, agree with that. But it's, we're all human at the end of the day. I mean, it's, uh, you can have more, a lot of experience in something it's fine but when it starts to be really self-promotion and and brand image brand personal image to me it's just way too much and i wouldn't like having this kind of superhero coming to our company just because everybody is good at something and you can learn you can learn from everybody like literally so there's always someone who's smarter than you yeah exactly or or anybody else Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah i mean coming from um I mean, going back to retention and everything, um, being from kind of smaller companies, I mean, how do you keep up with benefits versus like a competitive salary that you're able to give out? I mean, you're not, you know, you're not going to be able to provide the same things as like Amazon or like a Google or somebody like that. But, you know, how do you try to mitigate what, you know, you are able to provide to, you know, make people, you know, want to come and join, you know, a smaller company that you might be a part of? Yeah, I I generally like to give a higher salary um, because, you know, if I'm choosing what the benefit is for the person, like like health insurance, for instance, maybe they have health insurance already and maybe, you know, not paying $200 a month for that and just giving it to the employee will benefit them in another way because maybe they can buy car insurance or some other thing with it, um, you know, or they can just buy their own health insurance at a different rate, different package, whatever they want. So you're not kind of uh, dictating to them what, what they should have in life. Um, you're just giving them the money and enabling them to choose what they want to do. Yeah, so it's a, 
but, but I'm not a HR professional, so you no, probably no, more no. <laughs> than me. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it it definitely comes back to culture and what we want to set as like. This is, the, this is the baseline for what we'll definitely provide for you as anyone who wants to come to this company. And it, it's it's tricky because you want to uh, make sure that, you know, your baseline benefits are what, um, what set you apart, but then are also at market with other competitors. And so there's even some, like, what are some low-hanging fruit that then you can add on top of that or little things to set you apart? I mean, my favorite benefit that we added earlier this year um, was student loan re- repayment. And... Yeah. What it was is, you know, it's 50 bucks a month and if, for like uh, your first, uh, what is it? you are eligible after your six months, your first six months with us. And then through 12 months, we pay $50 towards your student loan. And then after that, it's $100. So you look at that and while it's totally optional to then increase people's salaries by, oh, just add $1,200 to everybody's salary. It's not the same impact that's saying, that saying like, you know, we recognize it as, a, as an organization that a lot of people have this kind of issue in their personal lives. And we, this is a relatively inexpensive way for us to recognize it and know our demographic and say that we're going to take steps in order to help, like, make yeah. this better for you. I think it's it's an excellent insight that you're giving us. It's to basically not having these checking the boxes of the best benefits, if not more, know your employees and what they need, what they're looking for. For example, Costa Rica, we're having terrible traffic. But mm-hmm. when I say terrible traffic, it's terrible traffic. People could spend hours in a car for a couple of kilometers. Uh, the fact that we can work three days from home, it's a huge advantage for so I mean for all of our employees because it fits with the situation that we're having in this country so it's also I mean to us actually having maybe two lunches free lunches at uh, for a week as it's really not expensive to have food anywhere so it's fine it doesn't really matter but having the three days from our home it's it that really makes an impact on someone's living in Costa Rica. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just really an understanding what's important. And part of the reason that we have lunch um, is basically because we had to know our geographic area too. There just weren't that many lunch options available. And even now you have to drive at least a mile in order to get something. And so it's, you know, it's an option for people. They don't have to eat it. Sure. Like they can go out anytime they want, but you know, it is an option for them to not have to go and kind of like search for something in the middle of the day and just Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, we've, I mean, it's kind of become part of our, like the company culture is that, I mean, we coincide them with our all hands, but sometimes our all hands is just kind of like, go sit with somebody that you haven't, that you don't usually talk to on a different team that you don't speak to all the time, like sit and uh, we did like three fun facts a couple of weeks ago where you just had to write three fun facts about yourself on a card, you put it in a hat and then everybody drew and then you were trying to figure out who that was. You're just learning, you know, little tidbits here and there about, you know, the people that you work with and just kind of, um, yeah, just keeping everything kind of light and fresh and not, you know, just like, oh, we're here for a meeting. This is, you know, uh, which a lot of places kind of do. Mm-hmm. We do do all hands. So we do have twice weekly all hands. And so it's, it, for the most part, it is talking like greater strategy, some big initiatives that are happening are really highlighting some of the team's achievements. So for example, next week, we're going to be talking to customer success to hear about some of their most recent on-site onboardings. And it's just, just a way to really understand how we're connecting with the customers. But then yeah, to Tommy's point, you know, we do, we mix in fun ones there too. We 
had a Halloween contest, costume contest a couple weeks ago that ended in a dance off. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. There was a trophy involved. Uh, it was pretty intense. Yeah. You can check it out on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's on our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I mean, he and I also one time did a trivia. And we did people-based trivia. So we went around and asked certain people certain questions and then, like, had everybody vote. And I think that that those kinds of little things, too, like, increase the camaraderie and just kind of, like, it, it it cracks people up. And I love that. I think that's my favorite part of, like, coming to work and leaving each day is knowing that, like, I cracked up at least once during the day. I need that. It's good to, to go home with a happy face, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. To, to feel good. Uh, me and you were talking about it at lunches. Um, there's nothing worse than waking up and dreading going to the office uh, when you just don't like your job or you don't like uh, your workplace or the people you work with. Um, it, it really does kind of drain on you. So it is nice to, you know, be at a place that, it, that you end up having fun, you know, a couple of times throughout the day, you enjoy the people that you work with and you enjoy your workplace kind of overall is always a, a great feeling and definitely just adds, you know, to most people's lives. It just kind of makes it a little better than disliking where you have to go every day for eight or nine hours. And I think that's the most important kind of thing about work is work is there to improve your life and um, not to provide food, right? It shouldn't be there just as a food provider. It's to improve your life so you can, you know, win enough money to do the things that you like um, while doing things that you don't hate, I guess, and hopefully things that you actually like as well. And get to learn. Yeah, yeah. learn, learn. Exactly. There's also people. one thing that um, I guess really matter uh, at Nogin is the fact that we have these very, we're very open to, uh, let's say, cross talents. I don't know if it's if you can say say that in English, but basically uh, we have this new uh, QAA uh, engineer, uh, junior engineer, um, and uh, she. It happened that she is also a Scrum expert, a Scrum master, a Scrum right. master. Yes. And which yeah. is a, it's a process. It's, uh, it's a type of project management. Exactly, type yeah. of project management. And she just, I mean, she entered like a couple of weeks ago as a Q&A uh, junior. And we immediately, I mean, her boss immediately uh, gave her the possibility to uh, teach all the other employees about that. And the fact that we give, I mean, people have many talents that we might not know. We have our uh, junior graphic designer that is actually extremely competent in uh, cybersecurity, and she knows about that. So now she's uh, completely in charge of the UX UI of our software. So, and she was supposed to go there just for graphic design to do like That's ads awesome. or banners or whatever. And mm -hmm. so she moved and now she's really just in charge of that. So the fact that we're giving this space to people so that they can explore others' area that were not defined at the very beginning is I think also something great. I think it also gives us another benefit which brings us back right to the very beginning uh, which is we've been looking for project managers for ages. We hadn't found any suitable for what we need and then someone applies for a QA job and we find hey she's a scrum master you know it's like oh my god after all this time this is now brilliant <laughs> um, so yeah just uh, yeah I guess you got to give people space and let them do what they do and uh, you know this is what I'm telling you, you I too. love doing podcasts <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, yeah I mean I think that's a huge part of retention too is um, yeah giving people the ability to maybe grow into another role or giving them a roadmap on what they can you know become I mean that's a huge part of Cyberry's kind of mission is you know that 
you know, where you work or something might not be giving you kind of the roadmap, but, you know, with Cyber, you can kind of use it and start learning your way and kind of getting to, you know, what we always call is like your next level. It's like you might be starting here as a, you know, a junior developer or something like that, but you can kind of learn and, and keep going um, so that you have that opportunity the next time it comes up at your company or something. Because a lot of times, you know, you work places where, they don't provide any forward movement. You don't really see, you know, where you might be able to go. It's always seems like a bunch of lateral movements, but it's like, if I don't have anywhere to go up, you know, what am I really doing here? So it's always, you know, as, you know, being, you know, head of people and, and the CEO, I mean, how do you, you know, make sure that people understand? I mean, obviously you guys are doing a great job with, you know, letting people kind of fill certain roles and kind of grow into them. I mean, how do you mitigate that and make sure that people understand, like, you know, you might be starting here, but where you end, you know, could be anywhere. I think part of it is giving them the opportunity to also search. What do you want to be doing? And kind of give them the reins a little bit, because sure, there's going to be the job that needs to get done. But how can you add to your plate a little bit? So I was a waitress for a very long time, six years seven years, six or seven years. And, um, so I kind of like to use this analogy of, you know, when you're, you're doing your initial job, you have like a three table section, but then as you get better, you get four tables, you get five tables, you get six table sections. So all of a sudden, you know, it's, you're, you're handling a lot more tables than you ever had before. And that's the same thing with the opportunities, at least at Cyberry and what I've seen in my previous role, um, at another startup where, you know, do the job at hand, but take on more like, and then all of a sudden what you're going to see is the opportunity to move into that other space, you know, because you've created it, you've carved it out ideally with the support of, um, of management, of leadership in general. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, just, just, uh, yes. you, you didn't even need me in this podcast. Yeah, I yeah. don't know why I was invited. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way most times. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I th thank you. Thank you all for being here. I mean, it was a really great conversation to go around and uh, get kind of some differing opinions and, you know, seeing what other companies are doing and providing, mm -hmm. um, I think is a great way to, to learn. So thank you all for being here. And uh, thanks, thank everybody, you. for listening. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast. And make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.